Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, friends. Welcome to a special edition of the Tennis and Bagels podcast. Um, as I'm sure you guys have all heard with the, uh, with the recent news, um, obviously this is um, very... Uh, unsurprisingly surprising because obviously we have seen it coming for uh, for some time, but nothing can really prepare you for this moment. So I think um, to help uh, to help break all of this down and someone who's uh, covered Federer throughout his last couple of decades as a uh, as a player and who's um, you know pretty well known, I would say, in generally in tennis media and in Swiss media. For sure, does a lot of great work with um, with Roger and spoken to him and spoken to several people around him. Uh, I thought it would be none better than to have on Simon Graf here, and um, you know Simon, this is uh, this is uh, this is an honor to have you here. So how are how, how's it going? How's it been going the last couple of days? Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, it's been pretty pretty busy since uh, they broke the announcement. Uh, they broke the news. Um, <clears throat> We knew a few hours before, but not so many, like just a few hours. And uh, I thought he might uh, try to play the Labor Cup and then decide whether he's still fit enough with his knee. Of course, I've had a, a few sources that told me that he hasn't really been practicing uh, too much in the last few months. And um, so I wrote the story during the U.S. Open, uh, which uh, caused quite a stir uh, with his fans. And I, I didn't really tweet it because I, I didn't want to um, cause any uh, discomfort uh, uh, with his fans. But obviously, uh, I think it was shared a little bit uh, in English and uh, I got a lot of reactions. But I mean, I knew, I knew he was not going to be come back and play another year, uh, unfortunately, because uh, he hasn't really been practicing the last uh, the last few months, just uh, played uh, a little bit of tennis lightly. Yeah, of course, um, you know, when we all heard the news that he was going to have to get surgery again following uh, last year's Wimbledon, we were, we were hopeful that he would be able to play um, Labor Cup and then and then Basel, and then have a sort of swan song in 2023. So I think the fact that he's not able to play Basel, I think that's really telling as to um, his body just saying no more. And um, I think that's that's pretty clear. Um, so is that have you uh, have you spoken to him at all during that sort of period? You know, since Wimbledon or any close people around him between last year's Wimbledon and now. Uh, yes, um, I've spoken to a few people that I that I don't want to mention uh, around him because everyone was really quiet or had to be really quiet. And I've I've met Roger 
um, a few months ago when he uh, opened up a playground in Switzerland that was uh, financed by his uh, foundation. And uh, we, we, we just spoke about 10 minutes and he, he was quite uh, optimistic uh, there. Um, he said if, if everything works out, uh, he would like to come back for 2023 and uh, like it was tough to say in which condition he was in. He was he was uh, uh, playing with the kids, running around, no problems at all. But uh, it was tough to tell if he was uh, if he, if he would be able to uh, play again on tour. But I think he had a setback after Wimbledon. That's what Severin Witty told me, his coach. So um, I think. A, a few weeks after Wimbledon, it was quite obvious that he was not going to come back. Mm. So I've spoken to him and he was in a really good mood and I saw him a few times at my local tennis club where he was playing with uh, his girls and a few juniors. But he, I mean, of course, he could still uh, hit the ball, but uh, like uh, I didn't, he didn't do a lot of running. So so it was, uh, it was really tough to see, but you know, I just spoke to a friend of mine um, yesterday who was at a party uh, where Roger was, uh, that Roger was attending as well, and uh, he said he was uh, just extremely relaxed. And uh, uh, I think he's he's completely at peace with this decision. Uh, I think it was probably tough for him to kind of keep up the, the illusion uh, that he could come back on the tour, even though he knew it was not going to happen. And I think now he, that it's out, I think it's a good thing for him. And um, like also what Seba told me, like he uh, he said, Roger is very relaxed and he's uh, like already his mind is somewhere else and not really thinking about his career and uh, he missed opportunities anymore. So, so I think he's in a happy place. And uh, let's be honest, like he has a, it's a pretty good life, so so not much to complain about. Yeah, absolutely, and it's good to hear that he's in he's in a great place, and obviously, it's such a legendary career. You know, there's so many moments we all know the numbers. Of course, it's you know, but I think what stands out more about Roger is is the impact. I don't think there's ever been another player. We might not see another player like Roger, you know, come come around because I think the way he beautifully blended everything together, it was just so fluid and neatly packaged when you watched him play. The way he took the ball so early, his, you know, the way he could hit all the spots on his serve, the liquid whip that he had on his forehand, and you know, you could just go on and on, and it was just um, you know that artistry and elegance, um, and making something look that's so difficult and you know it takes hours and hours and of training and dedication and hard work but he made that look so efficiently easy with how well he moved and and played the game and carried himself so is there something anything in particular that really stands out to you about his game that you'll always remember and take with you well well to me the i think the most uh, important thing is that he just loved to do what he did you know mm-hmm. like he just wanted to play tennis he was he was not a guy who who really liked to practice a lot, like hitting forehands and backhands, uh, cross court or long line uh, for for hours uh, when he was a teenager. But he kind of he just wanted to play and be really good at at uh, playing the game. And uh, because he was a he is a perfectionist, I think he just accepted that he had to really 
put in the hours and really do their all their practices and and stuff so but i think the thing is he just likes to play tennis and uh, i think it's a beautiful thing when you watch or when you see someone who really just loves what he does what he does or what she does like uh, it doesn't have to be a tennis player and roger was just it was just i think it was just a uh, made for him to play tennis and that's what I, I really loved of course I mean this game uh, speaks for itself um, I, I mean there's nothing uh, I can add to what you said of the forehand uh, he's, he's kind of his variation he, um, and, and his his creativity it was just uh, fun to watch and I think he lives on in, 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 in quite a few players um, now I think had he not come up, um, probably tennis would be quite a monotonous game. Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, like so many young players, hardly, like hardly anyone, the, the hardly any player that doesn't say, "Well, Roger was my idol," or or I kind of looked up to him. And I think so many players uh, just try to copy things from him, try to copy his playing style, and. Uh, I mean, if you see uh, Carlos Alcaraz with all the drop shots, serve and volley, uh, uh, the lobs, like the variation, even though he's like a, a, a power player, he, he, he tries to mix it up. And uh, it kind of uh, reminds me of the young Roger. I mean, when he was just trying to drop shot all the time in the second, yeah. second set uh, of the US Open finals, uh, I was reminded of Roger just like having so many options and not really knowing which one to do to use uh, so I think uh, I think uh, in tennis it, it really helped develop the game bring it to a new level and, and make it more more interesting I mean if you just so many people that that looked up to him and tried to copy certain things like uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas as well like uh, so so I think that uh, on the courts I think that might be his legacy in the in the in the years to come yeah, absolutely. And just taking it beyond his game, I feel like he um, he always just had tremendous respect for the history of the game, and um, mm-hmm. and it just the just the joy with which he played. I feel like it really it made it made people happy just watching him because he he always you know he, with his optimistic outlook and the way he sort of carried himself, so relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, doing uh, you know. And, at the press conference, I'm sure you you've been part part of you know when he efficiently moves from does like three or four different languages interviews and you know he really carries himself really well like a true ambassador and I think uh, that's why we were so lucky to have him for for so long. Yeah, I think also at the press conference, I think for a long time he he liked to do it, you know, like he liked the, the Q&A and he liked to give some insights and talk about different things. I think at the end, maybe he got a little bit tired of that. Uh, also, probably because he didn't really know where his body was at and that he was, he was stopped a few times by his body. But, I mean, he just embraced the whole uh, the whole uh, journey. Uh, when, I, when I spoke to Paul Enico uh, a few years ago, he said, like, when he was with Pete, it was just like tennis and everything else. He, he was trying to um, manage, but didn't really like mm-hmm. Roger. Being with Roger for him, it was like being around a rock star, you know, like everyone screaming and Roger just, 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 just 
he just uh, enjoyed it or he didn't he didn't care like it was not a distraction for him uh, i mean his life must be quite uh, must have been quite busy the last 20 years and, and he just loved loved every everything uh, everything about it you know so that's i think that's probably his secret that he just uh, it was just at ease being Roger and playing tennis and uh, uh, handling everything else that uh, comes with it yeah absolutely he um he handled it all really well with grace and class and you know you can I think also another thing that I just loved about watching him is it didn't matter who he played, right? It could have been it could have been his biggest rival, Rafa. It could have been Djokovic. It could have been a world number two hundred. I just knew every time I watched him, there was always going to be one moment, you know, at least one, at least one point, where he was just going to witness some crazy difficult highlight reel shot that only he could pull off. Only only Roger Federer could do that one thing, and it just. You know, every time I went on the court, I tried to I tried to pull off these shots like him, and I just eventually it came a time where I just I just gave up. I'm like, okay, I just have to wait for the opponent to miss because I, I I'm not Federer, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, I think even uh, even him trashing opponent six two six one six two was a joy to watch. You know, yeah. and with others, you were like, uh, come on, let's 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 wrap this up, please. Yeah. That's basically what I what I thought as well. Like you know, with you know, because Djokovic and Nadal are such great to the game as well. I enjoy watching them a lot more when they're pushed. You know, when they're pushed to the absolute yes, brink, yes, and when they're yeah. when someone can really yeah. sort of challenge them shot for shot. But Roger, I didn't I didn't feel like that. I I felt like the first round, first week drubbings of majors were always a delight to to watch mm-hmm. just because of the sheer shot yeah. making. So Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for sure. And of course, um, do you just feel like at the end, age and time and just normal? human body just sort of caught up to him because in a way, you know, he was, uh, you know, I don't want to say he he didn't have any injuries or anything like that, but for the most part, he managed to schedule very well. He stayed extremely, had a great fitness program. So he was able to, and obviously with the efficiency of his tennis, he was able to shorten points and, you know, progress throughout his whole career. But did you feel like 2016 sort of Australian Open when he gets injured um, the day after when he's giving a bath to his kids after the Australian Open? You know, since that time period, it's just... Uh, it's just been a struggle to keep on coming back, and obviously four knee surgeries since. Uh, is it just father time and age eventually carrying, you know, catching up to him and without needing any surgery f- until that period? Well, absolutely, but I mean, uh, he still uh, still won three more Grand Slam tournaments after 2016. So absolutely, yeah. I think uh, how he came back in 2017 and 18 was quite amazing, and uh, 2019 the Wimbledon final against. Djokovic, where he had two match points, I think still haunts many uh, Rotary fans. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, you know, I think it's a myth to think that he never had any problems. Uh, even before his first Wimbledon title, I remember it was in, uh, I think it was in the round of 16, if I remember correctly, against Feliciano Lopez. Yeah. His, uh, he hurt his, his back, right? His, he hurt his back in, in the warm-up. Mm. Uh, he, he could hardly move. And so he, he had to t- get called a physio, I think, after the first game it was, and uh, take some pills. And um, the back was always a concern for him. Uh, like in 2013, it was really bad. So, so I think he he managed his uh, um, weak points really well until the whole knee issue came up. And I mm. think that was just just not manageable. Uh, I mean, it was a uh, 
as we know now, in, in the right knee there was a cartilage damage. So I mean, you, there's nothing you can do there. I mean, you you can't. Uh, it's not like a, a knee is so complicated. It's not like uh, you you can just put in a, a new joint like with a, like in your hip that Andy like Andy Murray did. It, it's yeah. just too complicated. And I think he never really found his step again after after coming back in. Uh, yeah, last year. So, so it's a pity. But I mean, watching him uh, not playing professional tennis, um, I, I think he will be fine. You know, like uh, his his body will be fine. I think he'll be go. He can go skiing. He can play, he can play tennis with the girls, with the boys, and hiking and everything. So, I mean, I think that's that's a, a very uh, it's nice to know. I, I think he'll be he'll be fine. He just can't really put up with all the, the stress on his knee, the intensity that caused by uh, professional tour matches. Yeah, that makes sense. And of course, he did say um, <clears throat> that he's going to continue playing tennis and he just won't play professionally on the ATP Tour and the Grand Slams. So do you think, you know, he might go on, if he's, if he's healthy enough, and if Labor Cup goes well, obviously, do you think there's a chance that him and his fans... Can maybe see another farewell sort of exhibition tour that teammate will put on, and just can go around and you know play some exhibition matches around around the world. Is that maybe a possibility or consideration? Um, definitely, I I'm quite sure we'll see him uh, playing exhibitions uh, in, in in the future. Uh, I think he just wants to find out now at the Labor Cup what he's able to do. I, I doubt he will play a singles match because, I mean, I think it's just too much running and stopping. But I think a doubles match, I think he could sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think if, if, if the knee is, is okay, I, I, I'm pretty sure he will, he will play some exhibitions. And uh, I think he can still play some uh, decent tennis uh, exhibition-wise. Uh, I mean, quite sure about that. And, as you know, like he's a he's a master at um, kind of making up events and uh, pleasing people. So I'm, uh, I mean, why not? Yeah, I, I think there will be more than one. I think there. I think he kind of hinted at that as well. Like he just, he, I think he said something like, "I'm uh, I'm going to continue to play tennis, just not on the tour." Mm-hmm. So, which kind of makes you think, "Oh, okay, but maybe maybe like uh, at some other occasions." Yeah, like that Cape Town match at Africa um, <clears throat> after Australian Open 2020, he was able to pack 53,000 people almost in a in a crowd. I mean, yeah, he can yeah. he has the power yeah. to to really do that Absolutely. across the world. So. Absolutely, and I mean, he, uh, I, I mean, he could do another uh, match for Africa for his foundation, and it's it's very well. Uh, I could very well imagine this to happen. Yeah, of course, and um, you know, just just off the court, do you feel like? Um, obviously, you know, his kids are growing up and he's, he has two teenage girls now and two boys as well. Um, and he's quite happy in his, uh, in his life. Do you see anything, uh, anything currently pressing for him in terms of business ventures or anything? Uh, obviously he has a lot of his, uh, you know, got a lot of sponsors and, you know, brands and he's doing a lot of work with on, but do you see any other developments there? 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, I mean, uh, I think all the doors are open for him. Uh, I'm quite sure he will, he will take uh, a little bit of time to reflect which direction he wants he wants to go to. I mean, he's already involved uh, in, in, in on the footwear company, and I think that will uh, probably go grow bigger. Um, his foundation work mm-hmm. might take up a little bit more time, like maybe more visits to Southern Africa. And, I mean, Le- Team 8 has really been uh, t- uh, the management company together with Tony Botzik. Um, I mean, they have some really, really... Um, wealthy people behind that and that I could well imagine that he, he might uh, start to do some managing some, some players I think he was quite a bit involved in uh, acquiring players but he just didn't have the time to, to really take care of them mm-hmm. um, I know that uh, Coco Golf is quite excited about Roger talking to her even when she was uh, I don't know 15 or so. so so I think he I mean, I think if he wants to, uh, if he wants teammate to grow, uh, I think he can easily do that just by his uh, charisma, by his knowledge, and uh, I'm quite sure that many, many players would love to to join uh, the company if they can if they can benefit from from his knowledge. Um, plus, they have the Labor Cup, yeah, which is a uh, well. It will be interesting to see how it will continue without Roger playing. But I mean, if he's a captain, uh, <laughs> I think he will. He will even uh, uh, fill the stadiums being a captain. I'm not sure about that. So I mean, I think he has so many options, and he knows so many people. It's just on a, on a on a different level. He knows he knows like uh, Bill Gates. You know, he knows uh, like uh, business owners that are like. Uh, Top ten in terms of uh, um, uh, in, in terms of money they they have. So I, I mean, I think anything he would like to do, he can do. I think so. He'll just have to figure out. Well, where do I, what do I do? Want to do with my time? And I'm quite sure he wants to spend more time with the with the boys and the girls in the, maybe the next two or three years. Because I mean, once they're 16, 17, yeah. they, 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 don't, uh, they may prefer 
to to spend their time with their with their peers and their friends. So so I think Roger would like to having the chance that they're still quite young. I think he wants to he really wants to benefit from that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I, I I wanted to ask you, of course, because you've covered him for so long. Um, if there's any, you know, because Roger's been around for so many years, everyone has their own sort of personal story connection to Roger um, in, in terms of either how they got into the sport or just, uh, you know, meaningful stories or anything like that. Is there any one particular moment in time with him that you remember looking back and think of very fondly or just, you know, some really great memory, you know, with mm. him or a conversation? Could be anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um Obviously, I think that one stands out was um, uh, 2019 when I when he played the French Open again, and mm-hmm. he lost in the semifinals against Rafa Nadal. It was a really windy day, so so he went back to, to Switzerland, and he lives quite nearby where I live, um, and I went back, and so I think it was Tuesday after uh, the French Open. I, I was in the indoor swimming pool with my older daughter who was I think seven at the time and, and we we'd actually booked a tennis court <laughs> play tennis after that so we just uh, we just ate a hot dog in the in the cafeteria um, and talking to each other and then Roger came and said is this uh, is this seat free or is this yeah chair free and I said yeah of course just just take a seat, and uh, he he brought he took his two girls to swimming lessons. Um, it, it, uh, in in the indoor swimming pool, actually where I where I live, like just a few few minutes uh, from my from my home, and um, so we we sat there and, and just chatted for an hour, and and um, like I tried not to be a journalist, you know, like I, I really tried hard not to ask any journalist questions, you know, so we were just talking about uh, children growing up and uh, uh, education and about uh, other sports, like he really loves uh, football or soccer, how you call it in the US. Um, So just like uh, a lot of uh, regular stuff and and, and, um, of course time was running out and uh, I was supposed to leave with my daughter to play tennis. But uh, I didn't want to leave, of course, because I wanted to stay and just like savor the moment and talk to him because it was a different setting. And even though we we've met a few times uh, outside of the courts, like it was it was a good opportunity to just uh, just talk with him. And he was asking me questions about my job and the other Swiss players and everything. And then my my daughter kind of got bored, and then he he. Uh, he he sensed that, and then he started to tie her into the conversation and asked her uh, lots of things about you know how what she likes to do, uh, how she likes to play tennis, etc. So 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 uh, it was ch- like this. It's what what everyone says about him. It just he's genuinely in, genuinely interested in in, in people, mm. and uh, and and it was just uh, such a fun hour then the two girls came and uh, they, they, they they had they shared one piece of cake carrot cake and and uh, so it was just a different side and and like in Switzerland people 
don't really want to bother Roger. You know, I think that's a big plus. Mm-hmm. If he were somewhere else, uh, people start screaming or want to touch him or whatever. You know, in Switzerland, people are very discreet. So there was a few that came up to him and asked for a selfie, but like really like, like I'm, I'm so sorry, Roger, and I'm really sorry I lost in the, in the semis against Rafa. Could I please take a picture? Mm. So, so, so I, I think he can just be himself, you know, uh, in Switzerland and just lead a almost normal life, you know. And uh, yeah, it was it was a that was a fun meeting and kind of uh, I got to to see how he how he is with his girls, you know, and how he he told them no uh, um, share share the cake, you know, not to. So he kind of even though he's like a multi and a millionaire, you know, he wants them to have a more or less normal life, you know, grow up in a normal environment, you know, and, and make them feel uh, just appreciate the things and uh, I think he yeah, so so that was a, that was a really fun fun meeting. Yeah, that that's just, uh, extremely just, uh, like, memorable. And and then uh, well it was two thousand nineteen so after that it was like Wimbledon was coming up. Actually, I, I, you know, you know the <clears throat> in, in Wimbledon there's a tradition that uh, one of the journalists of the, the the winning nations gets to go to the champions dinner. Oh wow! And I'd always, I'd, I'd always said no because uh, I, I said I, I I just need to work, you know. And uh, we were two of us uh, in 2019 for the finals because. We thought, well, maybe this is the last chance for him to win a, a Grand Slam tournament, which obviously uh, um, turned out to be true. So I said, well, I would like to go. So we, we were kind of uh, talking with the Swiss journalists, and everyone was like, yeah, you've covered Rogers for such a long time. Just um, sure. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, you get to dress up before the finals, you know, and, and play uh, in Wimbledon at the, at the All England Cup, and I... I was really looking forward to that, of course. Like I, 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 I wasn't sure if he was going to win, but when he had those two match points, I already saw myself at the Champions Dinner, Uh-oh. which, uh, yeah, obviously didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I loved, um, I loved your story after after Rolling Garros with the, in the swimming pool and all of that. The anecdote with his kids, I think that's just just really perfect because it just shows how much of a people person he is and how. How genuinely interested he is in other people's lives. I think that really comes across in interviews. Yeah, and, it's, and, and and you know the thing is, I I um, I, I, I wrote that uh, in that story in uh, in Switzerland, you know, not in English, and uh, somehow it, it got out, you know, and, and and like people outside of Switzerland thought I was just making this up because it's so, you know, they wouldn't. They wouldn't think that could be true, you know. That's uh, <laughs> because, but, but I, I think that's probably unique, you know. In uh, you, in Switzerland, you you just uh, live side by side, basically, you know. So, so that was a yeah, fun experience, yeah. more fun than uh, not going to the Champions League. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like so. Yeah, I think a lot of that. You, would you say a lot of that comes down to his roots in terms of like the way he was raised and his his mom and yes, yeah, absolutely, just yeah, the yeah. environment he broke he 
grew up in a very normal environment. I think it's he's passing that down to his children, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can just um I know Robert a little bit better than Lynette, but um he's just a fun guy, you know, like he just makes jokes all the time and I think you don't really see that side of Roger uh, on the court because he's mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, he's very focused and everything. But uh, he's uh, he's just a fun guy to to be around with, you know. And I, I remember when I was at the um, ATP Finals at the U2 Arena. I don't I don't remember which year it was. Uh, I was having a beer with Ro- Robert before the before Roger's match. We were like outside in the concourse and everyone was like coming up to him and said, oh, Roger's dead. Uh, and, and he just like, he doesn't really love the attention too much, you know, he just mm-hmm. wanted to be quiet, have a, have a, have a beer and uh, take it easy. And so then he, and there were two or three girls and he said, well, don't, don't come up to me. Go, go to this guy. He's the, he's the godfather of Roger, you know, like uh, take pictures with him. And he was pointing to me, and of course, I'm not the godfather of Roger, you know. But uh, and then they were like coming up, but they were like, "Oh, really?" And I was like, "No, no, no, this is not true," you know. And he was just having, uh, he was just laughing so hard. So, so I, they're just, uh, uh, I think they're just uh, fun people you know, to, to be around. Uh, yeah, that's that's an amazing story. Is there is there anything on the court? Obviously, there's so much to choose from. I mean, 1998 to 2000. 22 but like is there one match one one title in time that you think like you know that was the epitome of of roger right there there's there's so many majors he won so you know well i mean i wasn't in australia it was my colleague in 2017 i think that was probably the most memorable uh match of all time he's like and it was kind of a like him coming back and him also getting kind of the uh, the better of, of Rafa, who had beaten him so many times in the Grand Slam finals. Um, I think that was probably the perfect scenario for, I mean, when speaking to fans of Rogers, almost everyone mentions that as their favorite uh, memory. I wasn't there, of course. As, uh, I mean, one thing that really um, stuck with me was 2009 when he won the French Open oh. for the only time. Um, because we'd been going to the French Open and every year he was beaten by Nadal and it was kind of hopes thrashed. When he finally made it, it was just uh, such a, I don't know, such a such a relief, I think, for him, you know, to finally having overcome that hurdle. And he uh, um, had a really tough time in the, in the matches after uh, Rafa had, had been beaten by Söderling. But... Uh, in the finals, uh, he could see the finish line and he just raced to race to the finish line. Uh, so, so that was, uh, I think that was quite, uh, quite a special day. Yeah, absolutely. The 2017 Australian Open for me just, just totally stands out after six months yeah. of being off and the three five setters and getting the better of Rafa and the technical improvements, the, uh, his backhand. Yeah. And you can yeah. go on and yeah. on. It's just uh, and the last five, the last five games. I mean, yeah. it was just. Uh, you can watch that uh, over and over again. <laughs> of course, I think I pretty much remember every single point pretty much in my in my head. I've played it over so many times. It's absolutely remarkable. But listen, I, I would love to uh, keep on chatting with you, but I know you've got a you know a busy day ahead still, and 
you know, you're you're doing a great job covering Roger so many years. So it was a it was a pleasure having you on and yeah, you know, I look forward to watching him again at the Labor Cup next weekend and we'll see how it all how it all unfolds, but he's given us so much and uh so much more than personally I ever thought he ever would. So it's it's been a joy really to watch all those years. Yeah, it's been a really enjoyable uh, journey. I mean, I was so lucky to to be there the last uh, 20 years. Uh, just really good timing. And um, uh, yeah, we, we, we've got actually, we, we're working, or we, we've completed a book about Roger, uh, which will be out hopefully before Christmas. We were kind of waiting a little bit to see whether he was going to continue to play or not. So um, yeah, look out for that. I think it's pretty, it's kind it's very different. Interesting. Where where can we uh, can we buy that? Can our listeners? Uh, well, it will it will be published in the UK, but uh, I'm sure it will be available world worldwide and wide. And uh, I've I've done it with a uh, with a uh, British journalist, and um, we can't really talk about it too much yet because they haven't started. The, you know the, the <laughs> um, they, um, uh, coming, you know, they're going to on to the public. But uh, I mean, now I'm kind of looking forward for it to be published uh, quite soon because, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it will be a fun read. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can't can't wait to read it. And of course, uh, you also have a different. You also published one in 2019, I believe, right? It was called Roger Federer Phenomenon Enthusiast and uh, exactly, Philanthropist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That was more of a not a not a typical biography, but it was a biography. And uh, I think in English it was sixteen chapters. Then I I kind of uh, um, updated it and made it twenty chapters. And this one will be much longer and um, really interesting stories with uh, very many people that have been influenced by him along the way. So I'm happy I, I started that project uh, two years ago when you could sense that uh, his, his career might come to a close. And uh, yeah, so, so I mean, it's, it's kind of strange to knowing that he won't play anymore, tour matches anymore, but uh, I think we can take, uh, we can be, you know, just grateful to ha- having followed that journey. Yeah, I mean, I um, I'm only 21 years old, so I really don't know another world. <laughs> I don't know a world without Roger Federer in it. So for me, it's you know he's basically gone through school with me. So like I went to elementary school, middle school, you know, I went grew up, went to university, and it was always Roger, Roger, Roger. Yeah. So it's yeah. uh, it's definitely uh, gone along with with so many people. He's been kind of a living calendar in our lives and. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, sad to see him not play anymore on the ATP tour, but also he's given us so many, so many awesome memories. And um, yeah, Ken, it's been a it's been a really awesome journey. It's been awesome having you, Simon. So thank you so much for your yeah, thanks, for your time. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, yeah, still have fun with tennis. I will I will do that as well. And uh, yeah, yeah. All the best with your podcast. Following the the game. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. All the all the best Thanks. with all of your work and yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.